Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John will conclude the series entitled Breaking Through the Blindness. This is part number four, and it is subtitled Bartimaeus. And now here is Pastor John with today's message. Now listen, we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Is it still okay to read the Bible in church? Uh-huh. Okay, we're going to read a, read a lot of scripture. Um, here's why we're going to read a lot of scripture. What I have to say today is not my own. I want you to see these principles. I want you to see this from the Word of God. Because at, at the end of our lives, whenever that is, we're all going to stand before the Lord. I don't know if you believe that or not. We're all going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to have to give an account. And it's not going to be based on what I said. It's going to be based on the truth and the truth is contained in these pages right here. And so I want you to know what the Word says about salvation. I want you to know what the Word, what the Gospel is today. Alright? So we're going to so be patient. Please stay engaged because we're going somewhere and I think this is going to hit every one of us at some, at some point and at some level if you'll open yourself up to what the Lord has to say to you today. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here to me. Tell him to come here. So the, they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. This is maybe one of the strangest questions in the Bible. Jesus asked a blind man, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Father, I pray that you would anoint me today to deliver your word. Lord, I, I readily admit to you today that I, I, there's nothing inside of me that anybody needs. I have no wisdom. I have no knowledge. I have no authority. I have no power inside myself, aside from what you've placed in me through your spirit and through your word. And I pray, God, that your, your power and your wisdom and your knowledge and your anointing, your truth would be communicated today through my mouth, through the, the written word on the page. And I pray, God, that we'd be challenged to receive it. So, Lord, I just humble myself before you now, and I confess that I am nothing without you and that I need you desperately today. And, Lord, James, the book of James says that if we will humble ourselves before you and then resist the devil, that he'll flee from us. And so, Lord, standing in the humility that I've just confessed, I stand also in authority as the spiritual authority of this house 
and in this service. And I command that every foul spirit, every spirit on assignment to confuse or distract or, or any, any spirit that would bring up uh, pride or arrogance or any objections, any of that, any spirit that's on assignment in this service to disrupt what God's trying to do in the lives of people then you, you are bound in the name of Jesus. I revoke permission for you to operate in this place today. And I loose now the Holy Spirit uh, to, for Him to do whatever He wants to do, to convict, to, to, uh, to draw to the Father, to bring clarity and understanding and humility. And Lord, I pray that you be glorified in everything that's said and done in this service today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, today is the conclusion of the series that we've been that we've been doing in the month of July called Breaking Through the Blindness. And and ironically, uh, we're ending with the account of Bartimaeus. So I say ironically because this is really where it started for me. Uh, I had I had targeted four uh, four people from the Gospels that I really felt like I, I wanted to preach about. I needed to share with you, and I really thought they were going to be four standalone messages. But as I as I contemplated them, and really as I focused on Bartimaeus first, I realized that all four of those people had something in common. All four of them wanted to see Jesus, but they couldn't. They were blinded by something. They were prevented from having a vision of Jesus for themselves. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, by, from the story of Bartimaeus, we're going to talk about how to break through the blindness and see Jesus for ourselves. I'm going to make two quick disclaimers. First of all, I am Southern. I, I grew up in Georgia. So if I say blind and you hear blonde, I'm sorry about that. I'm working hard. I'm not sure I can get that out of me in the next 10 minutes. Uh, secondly, if I say Nicodemus, I really mean Bartimaeus. Okay? I'm, I'm struggling. I'm on the struggle bus this morning, okay? So just want to put that out there. All right? So you can just write it on a card and just substitute it however you want. I'm also going to say this. If, if, there's a lot of scripture. And I know some of you are trapper keeper girls and guys. And you like to write down every, every scripture reference that falls out of my mouth. Can I, can I encourage you today to just, just don't? Just don't. <laughs> it, or if you miss one, don't stress about it. Let the word of God sort of wash over you and make sure you understand what's going on. I'll send you my notes. Okay? For reals. I will send it to you. You just let me know. It, it, but we need to receive this today. Alright. So what makes Bartimaeus unique in this whole series is that his blindness was literal. He was, he was literally blind. Now there are two possibilities for that blindness. Either he was born blind or he developed some sort of eye disorder later in life that caused him to, to develop blindness but it makes him different from the other persons the other people that we that we looked at in this thing because we started with uh, Zacharias uh, with Zacchaeus and he was blinded by other people and he was blinded by his own spiritual immaturity and then we looked at the woman with the issue of blood and she was blinded by her des her desperation and then last week we looked at Nicodemus unfortunately because now he's stuck in my brain Nicodemus was blinded by religion but but today we're going to talk about Bartimaeus uh, and and he had to have a supernatural intervention if he was ever going to see it was only Jesus that could help him would you agree with me 
Only Jesus could help a blind man see. You say, so, okay, John, so you're going to preach about uh, God's ability to heal the blind today? And the answer is yes, but maybe not in the way that you're thinking. Because while I do believe in the power of God to heal blind eyes and broken bodies and broken hearts and all of that, there's a blindness that's much more pervasive in the world today. As a matter of fact, every person has to deal with this blindness at some point in their lives. And most of us deal with it at one level or the other every day. So don't check out at any point in this message because this, this blindness affects all of us. And listen, just like Bartimaeus, if we're going to break through this blindness, it's going to take a supernatural intervention of God to break through this blindness. So it was demonstrated in Mark chapter 10 with Nicodemus, but I want to spell it out for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anybody or distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. God give us more ministries like that in the 21st century. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, what's that mean? It means you can't see it. It's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said... For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We are all born blind. And I wanted you to see it in Scripture. All of us are born blind. Blind by sin. We're blinded by sin. We're blind to the gospel. We're blind to our spiritual condition. We're blind by the enemy of our souls, who is the God of this world. When Adam sinned, not only did Adam and Eve lose their spiritual vision, but every other human being that was born after them did as well. I want to show you this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. For the, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That's good news. But listen, we're born lost and we don't even know we're lost. We're born blind and we don't even realize it. If the blindness of, Nicod of not see, not Nicodemus, Bartimaeus was there from birth it's that he had never known anything different. He didn't know. He didn't know. And there are billions of people on this planet who are blind to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they don't even realize it. And very likely in a, in a congregation this size this morning, there are people in this room who, are, who have been blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's good news. The good news today is that although a blind man is not supposed to be able to see, Bartimaeus walked away from Jesus with perfect vision. 
And, and even though the enemy tries to keep us blinded from the truth, the same Jesus who opened the eyes of Bartimaeus can open our eyes today. And we're going to see what he did to break through the blindness. But first, I want to ask, ask some very specific questions for you today. And these are maybe the most important questions you'll ever be asked in your life. I want to ask about you. How, how are you spiritually today? Are you still spiritually blind? Have you ever seen Jesus for yourself? I'm not talking about a vision. I'm not talking about literally seeing him. But have you had an encounter with Jesus where you knew you had met the Lord? Have you surrendered your life to him? So it's not just, yes, I saw him, but didn't connect with him. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus today? I'm not talking about, oh yeah, I repeated a prayer that somebody said sort of when I was seven. I'm not talking about, yeah, I know some stuff about Jesus. I went to Sunday school or kids church or I learned some stuff in church. I'm not talking about, yeah, I cried at the altar one time. I'm talking about, have you had a recognition of your spiritual condition so that you can come to Jesus in truth. And I want to show you your spiritual condition. Everybody's, there's no judgment here. I'm not pointing fingers because all of us are in the same boat. So I want to show it to you from the Word of God. But let me ask it in a question. Do you realize that you're a sinner? You realize you're a sinner? Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says, the Scriptures say nobody's righteous, not even one. So if not even one is righteous, then that means you and I are both sinners born that way. I want to show it to you also in, the, in that same chapter in verse 23. It says, everybody has sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. That means we're all sinners. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, if we claim we have not sinned, because listen, this is a politically correct, correct world in 2019. So you, you tell somebody they're a sinner, they get all kinds of twisted. Listen, everybody's a sinner. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. And we're showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. We're sinners. We're all born sinners. Do you, here's another question. Do you realize that you're destined for hell if you don't allow Jesus to intervene on your behalf? It's not popular. Nobody likes to talk about that anymore. It's in the book. It's in the book. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, because everybody dies. It's appointed unto everybody that we're going to die once. But the wages of sin is death. Spiritual, eternal death. And when we're talking about hell, that's not just a spiritual, sort of a psychological, sort of a cosmosy, weird, nebulous thing. You, are, you have a physical body. You feel physical pain for eternity. That's the kind of death that are the wages of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me show it to you uh, also in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20, I said this a minute ago, we're all going to stand before the Lord. And this says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. God's on his throne. I saw uh, the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And verse 15 is, is the, the way it sums up. And anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. How do you get your name in the book of life? You surrender your life to Jesus. But if you don't, then hell is the destination. One last question. Do you realize that God will be broken hearted 
but completely justified in sending you to hell? Or allowing you, not sending you, but allowing you to go to hell? Look at First Peter chapter Second uh, Peter chapter three and verse nine. The Lord's not really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. Have you heard people saying Jesus is coming back? Yep. Have you heard people say they've been saying Jesus is coming back for years and He ain't come yet? I don't know if He's coming or not. He's not being slow. He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. King James said it's not His will that any should perish. But everybody should come to repentance. And then John 3, 16, but I don't want to just stop at verse 16. I want to read the rest of the passage. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. That's the good news. When you believe in Him, there's no judgment. The judgment of the hell that awaits us is set aside when we, when we believe in Him. But anyone who doesn't believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment's based on this fact. God's light, His light, came into the world, but people love the darkness more than, their, more than the light, for their actions were evil. Listen, there's nothing wrong with learning about Jesus, nothing wrong with knowing stuff about Him, nothing wrong with knowing the stories from the Bible, but it's not enough. You can know stuff about Him and still be blind. Still not have seen Him for yourself. Still not have had a revelation of Jesus in your life. What Jesus came to do was about transformation transformation, not just putting the icing on the cake, not just putting a bow on top. He's about completely changing who we are. Not, I don't know who said this, but it's, it not, he didn't just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He came to make blind people see. So if you're going to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to see him for yourself, just like Bartimaeus did. So if you haven't seen and understood that truth that we just talked about from the Word, then this morning I, I, I want to challenge you. I want to open the opportunity for you to, be, to break through your blindness and to see Jesus for yourself. To see Him for yourself. Now, the ability... Now this is for everybody else. So those of you that got your arms folded already and going, oh, he's preaching the gospel. I've already been saved, so I'm good. Listen, the ability of sin to blind people doesn't stop when you get saved. Bartimaeus may have been born blind, just like we're all born blind to the gospel, of, to the gospel by sin, but it's also possible that it happened after he had been able to see for a while. It was very common in those days because of all of the debris and the dust and everything that blew around for people to get eye infections and because they didn't have uh, antibacterial stuff to get it out, then a lot of them would go blind. There are millions, millions of believers sitting in churches all over the world today who have had their eyes open to the truth of the gospel and have met Jesus for themselves. They are believers, but they have allowed sin to blind them again. 
They haven't walked in the freedom that Jesus gave us over sin. And they've gotten themselves, I think it's Colossians that talks about getting entangled again in that sin. In other words, all the nasty stuff that's flying around this world around us have gotten caught in our eyes and we'd better get them out or they're going to cause us to get our eyes off Jesus. They're going to cause us to lose our vision of Jesus. Sin will blind us from being able to follow him and see him and please him and advance his kingdom. And the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual eyes and about blindness. And I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 14, it's not everything about it, but I want you to see some common things and start seeing how this comes together. Matthew 14, verse 28, you've heard this story before. Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, yeah, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Here's, here, came, here comes the problem. Then he saw the strong wind and the waves. Well, how did he see it? He quit looking at Jesus. He saw the winds and the waves. He got terrified and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him by the hand. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When Peter took his eyes off Jesus, when he lost his vision of Jesus, is, is when he started to sink. When something else, got, when, when doubt and fear got in the way of his vision of Jesus, he got in trouble. That's still true of us today. Matthew chapter 7, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, why do you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you got a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck out, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Look at what Jesus said. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. First get, the log, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. We can't be of use for the kingdom of God or to those around us when our vision is obscured by our sin. In Luke chapter 11, Luke 11, verse 33, nobody, nobody lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a bushel uh, or basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body's filled with light. When it's bad, your whole body's filled with darkness. So make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you're filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. When you have clear vision of Jesus, the light that He has placed inside of us, His light can shine brightly from us. When sin obscures our view, the light that He died to give us dims. The light in us is supposed to shine bright enough for other people to see. But when we're blinded by sin, it not only prevents us from seeing Jesus, it prevents others from seeing Jesus in us. See, we've gotten the, we, we've, we've gotten the gospel so focused on ourselves. We think Jesus did everything for us 
personally with the exclusion of everybody else. Listen, you didn't just get saved just to save you from hell. He saved you, made you a disciple so that you could go forth and make other disciples. He saved you to bring you into the kingdom with the expectation that everybody gets connected in the work of the kingdom. It's every believer makes another believer. That's the, that's the multiplication of kingdom work. And that's what we were saved for. Ephesians 2 and 10. We're masterpieces saved for good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. He's got work for us to do. So it's not enough to say, look, I'm saved. I'm good. Yeah, I've got some stuff going on in my life, but I am fine. It's not just about you. It's about the light that Jesus has placed inside of you that's being blocked from everybody around you because of the sin that you allow to stay in your life. There's no such thing as selfish Christianity. It's not okay to say, yeah, but I'm good. My eternity is taken care of. What about all the other people around you? So it gets real easy to justify ourselves. We let ourselves off the hook real easily. We, we, say, we say, yeah, well, you know, we have some faults. I have some flaws. I, I'm not where I need to be in a few areas. Y'all have heard Christians talk, right? I, I, I've got some things I need to work on. Can we stop with all the political correctness and just call it what it is? Can, can we just admit to ourselves that too many of us have sin in our lives? Not flaws, not weaknesses, not stuff we need to work on. Sin. The same thing that Jesus died to save us from. The same thing that Jesus died to deliver us from. The same sin that he said in Romans that we're no longer obligated to. The same sin that he said he had broken the power of over us. Can we admit that too many of us in church are weak and anemic and powerless because we've been blinded by sin that we've allowed in our lives? That we can't see Jesus anymore because we've allowed our eyes to get blocked by sin. And because we can't see Jesus, they can't see him in us. Say, so, well, John, I, you just need to hang on now because I, you know, I don't have sin in my life. You know, I got a few things or whatever, some stuff, but I don't, I don't have sin. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's look at one passage of scripture and let's just see if there's some place to build. Okay, so Ephesians chapter four. Here's to assess the foundation. Ephesians four, twenty-one through twenty-four. Paul said, since you've heard about Jesus, you've learned the truth that comes from Him. So these are saved people. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Would you say that that's a good description of you? Truly righteous and holy? That's the expectation. So we, we have to throw off the old sin, or the old stuff, and do something different. So what sins is Paul talking about? What are we supposed to throw off? Uh, let's just keep reading, verse 25. So stop telling lies. 
Just put it right on out there. Stop telling lies. Let's tell our neighbors the truth because we're all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. We've read, what, three verses now? And we've already talked about lying and anger. If you're, a, if you're a thief, quit stealing. He's talking to the church. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands and, for good hard work. Then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say, everything you say be good and helpful. So your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let's keep reading. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Let's keep reading. It's the end of the chapter, but chapter 5 opens up. Let's go to chapter to verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins, not weaknesses, flaws, mistakes, such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, they're not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure, listen, this is why I want you to read this. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God and Christ. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you've got the light, your eyes have been opened from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what's good and right and true. If, you, if you're not convinced that there's sin in your life, then read Galatians chapter 5. Read Romans chapter 13 and verse 13. It's imperative that we be honest with ourselves and with God about our own sin and get them out. Get them out. If we don't, what do we become? Hypocrites. We become hypocrites. Like the Pharisees of Jesus' day who refused to recognize their own sin, but simultaneously acting religious. They acted like they had it all together. But on the inside, at one point, Jesus said, you're full of dead men's bones. Look at what Jesus said about them in, uh, in Matthew chapter 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of, of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. That's what happens when you claim to be something that you're not. When you allow sin to operate in your life after you've been delivered from sin. Hypocrite. Now what else does Jesus say about hypocrites? Verse 16. Look at the first word. Blind. You've allowed yourself, once your eyes have been opened to the truth, you've allowed yourself to be blind again. Blind guides. Look at verse 17. Blind fools. Look at verse 19. How blind. You see, you see what the scripture has to say about blindness, about breaking through the blindness. We can't allow ourselves to, to go blind. We've been set free. Our eyes have been open. Why would a blind person do something that would cause him or her to lose their sight again? 
If you're, if you're going to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave the church, which is to go and make disciples, if we're really going to be real disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus, we have to get the sin out so we can see him for ourselves and so that he is reflected back to a lost and dying world. So whether you're still blind from being born in sin or you've allowed sin back into your life to blind you, today is the day that we should learn the lesson of Bartimaeus. How did he break through the blindness? And here's the process real quickly. First thing he did was he heard of Jesus. He heard of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, verse 47, we read this, but let me remind you, when Bartimaeus heard Jesus was nearby... When he heard he was nearby. You can't be healed of your blindness until you've heard that there is one who can heal you of your blindness. Bartimaeus heard of Jesus. He heard of his power. He heard of his kindness. He heard of his generosity. He heard of the things that he had done in other places and for other people. It's not unlike what we do in church every week. Right? We, we tell of the things that Jesus did. We tell of his character. We tell of his nature. The book of Romans says, how can, they, how can they know unless they hear, and how can they hear unless there's a preacher to tell them? I'm preaching the gospel to you today so that you can know that there is someone who can heal your blindness. And it's a supernatural experience. Nobody else can do it for you, only Jesus and just like Bartimaeus heard of Jesus that day, Jesus is going to be coming this way today as well. And as a matter of fact, he is already here in this place today. So the first step in breaking through your blindness is that he heard of Jesus. Here's the second thing. He called to Jesus. He called to Jesus. Let's look at verse 47 through 49. So he heard that Jesus was coming. He started to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They said, be quiet. He only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and said, cheer up. Come on. He's calling you. This is a crucial step. This is where you admit that you're blind. This is where you admit that you can't see, that you haven't understood your own blindness until this moment, that you understand that you can't help yourself, that you admit you need his help. You admit that he's the only one who can help you. It's personalizing the information that you've heard. It's humbling yourself because pride can't come to Jesus, only humility. It's a recognition that not only do I believe that Jesus is a healer, but I need him to heal me. It's the, it's the understanding, not only did Jesus, did Jesus come to, for like John 3, 16, for the whole world, whosoever believes, but I need him to save me. You see the difference? It's starting to move from your head to your heart. It's starting to change how you see Christianity, that it's not cultural, it's personal. Bartimaeus called out to Jesus and, and when he connected his need to Jesus' power. And he didn't let anybody stop him. They, people will tell you, listen, just be quiet. He got louder. When people will tell you, you don't need Jesus, call out to him anyway. 
People tell you, oh, you've already been saved. You don't have to worry about the sin in your life. Call out to Jesus anyway. Bartimaeus knew he was blind, and when he heard of Jesus, he called to him. And then the third step was he came to Jesus. He came to him. Verses 49 and 50, they said, tell him to come here. And they told the blind man, cheer up, come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. He came when Jesus called him. I don't know if you know this, I don't know if you realize this, but you can't just come to Jesus on your own terms. You, you don't just like wake up and decide, ah, I'm just going to go get saved today. I'm just going to go. That's not how that works. Jesus is a king. You don't just go see a king. You have to be invited. Let me show it to you in John chapter 6, verse 44. Actually, two or three different times in John 6 it says this. For no, this is Jesus' words, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day I'll raise them up. You say, so how do I know if Jesus is calling me? I'm, I'm realizing I'm blind. How do I know if he's calling me? You just know. You know. You know. God draws you to himself so you can make a decision. And let me show you one of the ways you know. In, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 in the NIV it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to know uh, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance of his holy people. Listen, the fact that you even recognize you need a savior demonstrates that he's drawing you because he opened your eyes. You can't open your own eyes. Remember, you're blind. Only Jesus can open your eyes. So the fact that you know you need a savior, the fact that you know you need to repent today is all the evidence you need. And look, there, there's, uh, in that same chapter, John chapter 6, this is what the Lord said in verse 37. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. And then in verse 40, he says this, for it's my will, excuse me, it's my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. It's his will that you believe. It's why he came. It's why he came in the first place, so that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will receive forgiveness of sins, will escape the punishment of hell, and will have eternal life with Jesus. So, so he heard and called to Jesus, and Jesus extended the invitation for him to come. So what's next? Here's the fourth thing. He spoke to Jesus. He spoke to him in verse 51. He came to the Lord, and, he, and the Lord said, what do you want me to do for you? And, and, and he said, my rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Nicodemus had already made up his mind when he came to Jesus. He already had that faith, but he needed to speak it. He needed to humble himself and ask Jesus for help. We have to do the same thing when we come to Jesus. Look at Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. But we have to speak to Jesus about the sin in our lives. And listen, be specific. Be specific. Don't just go and say, I repent of all my sin. Amen. 
Spend time unpacking your heart and finding out what's there that's blinding you and then be specific with him. You say, well, that's uncomfortable. Yes, yes, it's uncomfortable. And the, 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 the understanding is that if you're uncomfortable enough in the, in the process of repentance, it should bring godly sorrow and it should help you not do it again. If you've ever had to confess your unfaithfulness to your wife or your husband, that should prevent you from wanting to ever walk in that path again because it's so uncomfortable and so painful and causes so much problem and so much difficulty and so much pain. We do the same thing to Jesus. You're like, well, that repentance thing is painful. No, the cross is painful. Bearing the weight of our sin, the weight of the whole world's sins, that's painful. What repentance is, is grace and love and mercy to give you the chance to get all of that stuff gone so you can see Jesus again. When we sincerely repent, he forgives, but we have to tell him. We have to tell him. And then here's the last thing, he followed Jesus. Listen, he didn't just come and get his healing and then go about his merry way. Look at verse 52. Jesus said, go, your faith healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. What Jesus is calling us to is a relationship. Not an event, not a journey, a road, a path. He invites us to join him on a path that leads to eternal life. A path that will require sacrifice. A path that will require change. We already saw it in Ephesians chapter 4. We have to put off the old sinful way and join him on this new way led by his word and by his spirit. There's no other way. He, he can't be your savior and not be your Lord. You can't divide him that way. There, there's not a version of Christianity that provides for a free ticket to heaven with no expectation of change. That's just not a thing. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. The old life's gone. A new life has begun. If a new life didn't start, that's because the old life's not gone. You can't come to him and stay the same. That's why Jesus said this in, in, in Luke. Do you realize that Jesus spent about half his ministry telling people why they can't come to him? He was a terrible church growth person. Terrible. He preached truth unadulterated. He just said it. He didn't want followers. He, he wanted disciples. And that ain't the same thing. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate everyone else by comparison. You're like, oh, goodness, like who? Who should I hate? Oh, your mom and daddy, your wife, your kids, your husband, brothers, sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. So, so the invitations that we give were, everybody just raise your hand. Everybody just repeat the prayer. Everybody just say, no, count the cost. Know what you're saying. Know what you're signing up for. Don't begin until you count the cost because who would start a construction project without calculating the cost? 
See if there's enough money to finish it. There is sacrifice in following Jesus. You have to give up your old blind self in order to walk in the light of the sun, S-O-N. So if you want to free yourself from the blindness caused by sin, it's what you have to do. You say, John, I understand that's what sinners have to do, but I've already been saved. I've just kind of lost my way a little bit. Well, what's the process? Same process. Same thing. Read the, read the passage about the prodigal son and see if you don't see the same steps being carried out in the prodigal son story. Or, or you say, listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm straight away from home. I, I just, I've allowed sin back in my life. What, what should I do? Maybe I'm not prodigal. Maybe I haven't wandered completely away, but I, I definitely there's some things that, that I have to do. It's the very same thing. Very same process. I'm going to show it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. You've heard this before. Then if my people, these are not sinners, these are God's people who have allowed sin in their lives, who are called by my name. You've heard of him. You, you already know about him. Will humble themselves and pray. Now you're calling out to Jesus and seek my face. So now you're coming to him in humility and in repentance and turn from their wicked ways. That means you're following him. Then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal, heal their land. Maybe the land that you live in, the land of your life is torn up because you've been blinded again by sin. Or maybe you've never really had your eyes open in the first place. Maybe you're recognizing that your connection to Jesus was academic, but it wasn't personal. That you understand He's the Savior of the world. You never really thought about it as your Savior. Maybe you're still blind. Listen, it's, it's a supernatural solution to a universal problem. So here's my invitation to you. Will you come to Jesus today? Will you count the cost? Will you know what you're doing in coming to Him and saying, I surrender everything. I've been blind my whole life, and I want to see. Or I, I am blind now because I've allowed myself to get entangled back in sin, and I've lost my vision of Jesus. I just don't see Him like I used to see Him. I just don't experience Him like I used to experience Him. You can have your eyes open today. cost is repentance. Would you stand with me, please? We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-537. 3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.